have your Bible, I would like to turn to Mark chapter 14, where we just were a few moments ago. Mark is in my head right now, and these texts describe that night. Let me read verses 32 to 34 to begin. Mark chapter 14, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. On this night in Luke's gospel, Jesus would tell those who would soon come to arrest them that this was their hour. And the power of darkness, our Lord Jesus had come to it at last, the time when Satan would be granted a reprieve by God, if you will, to pour out his own wrath on Jesus. And since Jesus was both fully God and fully man, he would literally feel the full weight of all of that. And his soul was so filled with sorrow that he thought he was going to die right there in the garden. He is literally about to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. He doesn't think he's going to make it through. And all he asks of his disciples in this moment is that they stay with him and stay awake. That's it. Good verse 35. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Beloved, that verse reveals something about the nature of Jesus and his incarnation that we will never be able to understand. If it were possible, the hour might pass from me. Jesus knew it wasn't possible. The anguish of his soul cannot be fully comprehended then by anybody who isn't Jesus. The whole reason God the Son even came to the earth was about to culminate here on the cross. There's not another way to provide redemption for humankind than the blood and righteousness of Jesus. This has been the plan of God from eternity past. There's not another way. Jesus Christ felt the anguish that you and I have maybe felt when we pray sometimes, when we know that the answer we want isn't going to come, and yet against all hope we have to ask anyway. There's a desperation that we really can't feel until we feel it. And for Jesus Christ to feel it, the God-man to feel it, means that his soul was going through a pain so excruciating, he was asking God to undo the plan that had been from eternity past and make another way. Beloved, there are very few things that ought to assure us better tonight of the permanency of our salvation than the anguish of the soul of Jesus. He did not go through this to leave salvation finally in our hands or even in our effort or in our wills or our dedication. He felt it all so that we would have it all. When he is finished with this, salvation will be accomplished. 
This was not in vain. It was not a mere gesture. This is something way more solid here than sentiment. That's what we remember tonight as we remember the night before he died. The verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. When Paul tells us later in Romans 8.15 that those of us who have been born again have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry these very same words, Abba, Father. He is uniting us and our salvation to Jesus in the anguish He endured to secure it. Beloved, when we fear for our salvation, when we are afraid that it's not secure, that it's not true, that we don't have it, that God has abandoned us because the cravings of our flesh will not go away, What does the Holy Spirit of God put on our lips in that moment? The cry of Jesus when He was forsaken to remind us that we never will be. Every time you doubt your salvation, the Spirit is saying to us, remember the words God's Son cried out in anguish to buy precisely what you are doubting right now. Those are the words that mean now you are my beloved Son. Only a son of mine can utter the words, Abba, Father. Those are the words that the Savior cried when He was securing our salvation. God loves His Son, Jesus. And when you and I cry those same words to our Father, every time He hears them, He remembers that his only begotten cried them out to him, and that night he didn't answer. And in holy passion, he answers us every single time. They were only ignored once, so that they would never be ignored again. These are salvation words. Jesus cried out in the anguish of his soul to his dad, Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. I know this. I know this. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Jesus is referring to the cup. The cup that is overflowing with God's wrath towards us for our sin, not His. And yet He's the one that has to drink it. Beloved, this is why we must believe the gospel. This is what Jesus endured to save you. And he did not endure it for you and I to try to earn it, to sweat about maybe not being able to obtain it or live up to it. That price has been paid. That cup has been drank, drained down to the dregs. We make a mockery of his pain that night when we try to act like after all this, after all this anguish, something still remains that I have to do. What good would it do for my tears to mingle with those of God's Son. 
Every drop of that cup was poured out on Jesus Christ. Not one drop of God's wrath remains to be poured out on those for whom he died. Not one drop. Jesus left nothing of my sin and my guilt in the cup and the wrath that I deserve for my sin. And not yours either, beloved. Not yours either. Peter is about to deny him. All the disciples are about to forsake him and flee. He is about to die in excruciating pain and shame and anguish and all alone. And yes, he is fully God, but he is also fully man. And it is going to be awful. And what does everyone else in this story do? Save themselves. Protect themselves. Hedges their bets. And that's still the driving force behind our lives today when the rubber really meets the road. Save yourselves. Protect yourselves. That's the cry of humanity. That's our defining virtue above all others, maybe. Self-preservation. And here in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the eve of his own destruction, the Son of God prays the prayer mankind cannot pray when backed against the wall. The prayer of a son who finally is fully committed to his father. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Beloved, the gravity of this moment, the ultimate collision, if you will, of heaven and earth. Father, I don't want to do this, but I will. That is when you know, if we didn't know before, how amazing God must truly be. The greatest human being that ever lived just told us all how worthy the Father was of everything. Of all devotion, all submission, all obedience, all respect, all honor, all glory, all praise. My very life itself, my very blood. And beloved, it's also here that We must stop this foolish mind game where we think we could ever give all of that to God. Because make no mistake, that is what He deserves. Not our petty attempts at doing right in the face of the thousands of other things we do wrong, or at least don't do well enough. Here is what God is worthy of. Here is what God deserves. Jesus is the perfect human being. And if He doesn't do this, If he doesn't do what he just said, there is no salvation. Do we realize this? And it's hanging in the balance here. This is all a part of what had to be offered up in order to pay the price. Not just the dying, but the willing to die, beloved. And because it was done, it's all been done And now salvation comes only to those who say, all right, it's all Him. Put all that on my account. I can do nothing. It's all Him. I trust Him. I believe Him. Give me Jesus. Nothing else. I can't do that. I can't do this. No, beloved, neither can I. But He did. And that's all there is. That's all there is. That's... All that makes us what we are tonight. Look at verse 37. And he came and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? 
Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. He asked for one thing, and they couldn't do it. Beloved, make no mistake. Their weakness in this moment is for all the world to see. That one thing they could not do. What is Jesus doing tonight? Dying for you and me. Suffering. Crying out in anguish. What are we doing? What is mankind's representative doing? Sleeping. Beloved, in another garden, when the soul of mankind was on the line, just like it was in Eden, only one son stayed awake. Just one. Humanity, we were too exhausted. The day had been too long. Even though we weren't the ones bearing the weight, we weren't the ones carrying the burden that night. Sorry, Jesus, I know you have to carry the weight of all our sin and your father's wrath and the fury of the devil, but we're just bushed tonight. We're just too tired. We've been pretty busy today. Our bodies can't really hold up, much less our wills. This is the clearest picture of the glory of Jesus and the pathetic predicament of man in his own natural state. Jesus himself can be there asking you to stay awake, and we can't even pull that off. This is what God thinks of all our commitment, all our promises, all our good intentions, all our righteousness. When the hour came, you fell asleep. We need Jesus Christ to stay awake tonight because we can't. This is the one who never slumbers. This is the one who never sleeps and praise God for him. Jesus wasn't just talking about them, you know. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is not a magician. He isn't going through the motions here. His flesh is weak tonight, beloved. Not sinning, but weak and in anguish and about to crumble and fall apart. He wants to run somewhere and lay down and cover up. And sleep and wake up and this nightmare be over. Jesus is literally doing what we cannot do. It's in anguish and in weakness that he goes to the cross because his spirit to submit to his father is stronger than his desire not to. And that will never be the case enough times for you and me to merit or pay for our salvation. I was dedicated as much as I could be. I was dedicated most of the time. This number above that number But not ever perfectly, not ever completely, not ever enough. If he doesn't do this, we die. Jesus did it once and for all. 
Beloved, we call it Monday, Thursday. Tomorrow Jesus will die. He will drink the cup. It will not be removed. There will not be another way. And beloved, he'll do it all for you and me. But make no mistake. This is just an hour. That's all the darkness is going to get. And when the anguish and pain and sorrow are over, they will never come again. Jesus wept in anguish, asking the Father for another way so that you and I would never wonder if one would ever be needed. This sorrow was His burden. It is not ours to carry. It's not yours to carry, beloved. The burden of paying for your salvation. So as we eat this bread and drink this cup tonight, hear the word of Jesus over you and accept it. It is finished. It is finished. He not only bore our sin and our guilt, but our doubt and our natural inability He bore our lack of righteousness and He bore our weak and sleeping flesh and the work is done. Glory be to Jesus Christ forever. Pray with me as we prepare to take the supper that remembers. Our Father, we do not presume to come to this, your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Amen. Amen.